are, if you don't know, if this is your first time, you've never been with us before, you've just been ignoring us the last couple of months, uh, we are on, this is a very monumental day. And the reason it's monumental is because we are concluding what has been a 12-week series in the Gospel of Matthew looking at the Sermon on the Mount, the King's Speech, Jesus' Sermon. And so today what we are going to do is we are going to officially land this plane, taxi to the gate, get off, make our connecting flight to wherever that needs to be. Uh, but man, we are landing. And so if you have a Bible this morning or a phone or a tablet or however you read uh, Scripture these days, I still like the paper. There's just something about it that just makes me feel a little more holy because I'm turning a page. But uh, Matthew chapter 7, uh, starting in verse 24, and we're going to be looking at verses 24 through 29. And uh, if you don't have a Bible or anything, it's going to be up on the screen. But uh, this is what Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24, this is what it says. This is what Jesus says. He says, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes and torrents and flood waters rise, and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their religious teachers, their teachers of religious law. I'm not sure if ever in your life you've had the privilege of knowing the type of people that I've known in my life. And oftentimes, um, uh, they're, they're people that I, I do, enjoy, I'm just going to describe them and see if you know. Um, what I refer to them as is the one more thingers. Have you ever known a one more thinger? Like, it doesn't matter what conversation you're in the, in the middle of. Like, this conversation is done, and they, they come out with a, and one more thing. Has anybody known somebody like that? I've known quite a few where it was like, I don't really know if that one more thing deserved to be said. A, a comedian that I love, Mike Birbiglia, talks about that. The fact that if you collect enough one more things, that's called a, a remainder, and enough of that, you could actually get an equation. But uh, I think that there may be a planet out there in space that exists simply to house one last thing comments and conversations that don't deserve to be one last thing. And what Jesus is doing at this moment, during this sermon, during the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount, is he is kind of wrapping up the conversation with a, a one last thing. And, and here's, I don't know much, but what I do know is this. I'm going to put it up on the screen for note takers. You're going to love this. When Jesus says one more thing, pay attention. When Jesus says one more thing, pay attention. Attention, that's free, that's the price of admission, there you go. But after everything that Jesus has talked about, everything that he has said, everything that he's instructed, when it, whether it's loving your neighbor, uh, ask yourself, praying for those who persecute you, don't be a person who judges others, as he dealt with anger and, and our relationship to the laws, he talked about adultery and divorce and vows and oaths and not seeking revenge and giving to the needy, the golden rule, after everything that he says, he's saying, now wait, real quick, just one more thing. And he says this, anyone who listens and follows. Can I ask you a question this morning? How many things do you listen to in a day? 
I really honestly tried to sit down and rationally think and rationally conceive how many things that I listen to a day. And maybe not so much listen because we listen to a lot of things. There's a lot of ambient noise that goes uh, along with life. We're doing a series next week uh, called Static that really kind of dives into how do we get through all of that to, to what God would have for us, so the truth that God would speak to us. But it just simply the things that, not something I listen to, but the things that I hear, you know? And, and so... I mean, I think about um, just apart from, apart of and around you, the things, uh, the things that you say to yourself in your own head, uh, the things that you, the music that you listen to, the conversations that you're a part of, the podcasts, the radio shows, if you're a, a student, uh, whether high school or college, the classes that you're in, the jobs that you work, all of these things that, the, the, these things that you're hearing day in and day out, and when you think about it, what do you actually listen to? And in studying for this message, I was trying to find some research on the capacity that, that human beings have to listen, and there actually was not a whole lot of information. But I did find one study that was super interesting. It's a little old, and by old I mean it's about seven years old, and, I, and, and the information may be different now, and honestly, in the age of social media that we are in right now, I really do believe that the information would be different. But uh, no new data has been released quite yet, but, but just check this out. This is super interesting. Many of us... If you're many of us, raise your hand. Many of us, fantastic. Thank you, Brady. I was waiting for you. Many of us spend 70 to 80% of our waking hours in some form of communication. Of that time, we spend on average about 9% writing, 16% reading, 30% speaking, and 45% listening. And then I, I was like, that's just, I love that breakdown of the fact that, man, we need to get back to writing stuff because 9%, that's abysmal. We need to write some stuff, man. Letters, journals, whatever. Anyway, so, so I just thought that information was really interesting as they break down the kind of communication that we're involved in the other day. And then I found this super interesting, that immediately after listening to a 10-minute oral presentation, and this statistic gives me zero hope whatsoever as a communicator. But after listening to a 10-minute oral presentation, the average listener has heard, understood, and retained 50% of what was said. So again, I'm feeling pumped. Uh, 50% of what was said. Within 48 hours, half of the things that were listened to and retained are lost. In other words, you and I comprehend only about one-fourth of the things that we hear. But what, Je but what Jesus isn't asking is for us to simply listen. He's not saying, hey, just listen to the words that I have been saying. What he's asking us is to listen and to follow, to place action with the auditory sensories, that, with the vibrations of the air that Jesus has been speaking, that have connected to our brains, that have come out as words. Jesus is saying, I want you to hear them, and then I want you to do something about it. I want you to hear and do something with it. I want you to take the cognitive and add it to the physical. Hear what I'm saying and then move. And as we put into practice the things that Jesus has instructed us, we are doing what? What does Jesus say? He says, he says two things. One is that we become wise. If we listen to what he says and then follow what he says, we, one, become wise, and two, we establish our lives, our thoughts, our actions, our emotions on solid foundation. Because then he says... Because the storms are coming. He says, though the rains come, 
When Jesus uses the word rain, he's using a metaphor for storms in life. So many of the people, many of the, the, the ways in which you got long distances was you could either walk the distance in some pathetic sandals, or you could save up some money and get a ticket for a boat and cross a great expanse th- over the sea. And so people, if they traveled by sea, were very aware that storms were a possibility. And so Jesus is using a metaphor that Everyone's going to understand when it comes to storms at seas, to the storms that we have in life. Because one of the most constant things in life that you and I will face will be storms. Where life is going to be choppy. If we're on a boat, we can feel like Anna and Elsa's parents in Frozen. And I'm going to put it up on the screen real quick. Matt, if you could just put that clip up on the screen. You can almost feel like Anna and Elsa's parents as they're getting on that boat. And everything's working out right. But just in that Disney way, they kill off the parents. But but you can feel like life is rocking back and forth, feeling like the waves are going to overtake you. Storms in life will come. I don't ever want to say that they won't. Because the moment they do, I'll be a liar. But the thing I love about Jesus is that he's never afraid to say that storms will come. Storms will are going to come in this life, but it's what your life is built on that will determine if you make it through those storms. Your foundation matters. And I feel like over the last almost three years, it's so amazing to think that at the end of this month, Motion City Church is going to be three years old. And in those three years, I feel like I have said close to a million times that the foundation of your life matters. And if you won't listen to me, maybe you will listen to every man, uh, every every woman's dream of who she wishes her husband would be, Mr. Chip Gaines. Now, check out what Chip says about the importance of foundation. And mind you, he's speaking about a house. I'm not. This is what Chip says. See, everyone's listening now because Chip is going to say it. So Chip says this. The church of Chip. Uh, uh, It may seem like a simple part of the overall construction process, but getting the foundation right is incredibly important. I wish I could speak like Chip. He just has that voice you just want to listen to. He's just such a... Anyway, it's getting incredibly important. The biggest reason for this is that any mistakes you make in the foundation will only get worse as you go up. It's called compounding defects. And it means that mistakes grow. Here's an example, and I know nothing about what he's going to say, so I'm just letting you know if I'm reading in confidence, because that's what communicators do, but I don't get this. If you want to know what this means, you can ask Dave Spiegel or my dad after church, but I am helpless. But here's the example that Chip gives. You notice that your slab foundation is three-quarters inches off of square. Then you start framing. It's also half an inch out of level across the total building, and you figure, well, I can handle that. I can just adjust it in the framing. And as you complete the framing, you get up to the roof and notice that the building is now one inch out of square and three-quarters out of level. Bummer. But you figure you can capture it in the roof framing. By the time your metal roof shows up, the square paneling doesn't fit uh, on on your out-of-square roof, and you have to make it work. I think the Holy Spirit just spoke to me to speak to somebody that you have been living your life trying to make something work. And you've lived your life just trying to make it work. Can I speak to someone today and say God has more for your life than simply trying to make it work? 
In the end, everyone and your grandmother can see that the roof is out of square. And the simple mistake in your foundation has ruined the look of the house. I've actually seen this happen to so many people. It was a simple mistake, and it just got worse and worse as they went up in the construction process. Thank you, Chip. Has anybody ever tried to walk on noodles before? Like, okay, sorry. <laughs> um, I mean, like, the, 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 the pool noodles. Uh, now, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Ramen, yes. Uh, you build a bridge, and it's, it's, it's actually a pretty uh, reasonably priced bridge because all ramen is 10 cents. No, uh, sorry. Uh, the pool noodles. Uh, my, my younger brother and I, we used to do this every time we were in a pool. We, we never had a pool or a treehouse in our house, but we're not bitter about it, Dad. Um, but, um, <laughs> but whenever we would go to friends' houses whose parents loved them and got them a pool, uh, we would always try and do these things with the water noodles where we would try and build this bridge across the, the water, and there would be two people in trying to keep it together. And then we would try as fast as our fat little bodies could take us. And we would try and run as fast as we could and try and get across the pool on the water noodles. How many times do you think we were successful? One. No, zero. We were, we were, we were, because here's the thing. Um, we were under the illusion that we had something sound to walk on. Simply because we saw a path from where we were to where we wanted to be, we were kind of under this illusion that if we ran fast enough and tried hard enough, no matter what was sitting underneath it, we could make it to the other side. And every time, I mean, every time we got one foot in the water and just gravity happens and into the water. And yet, this is just maybe dudes, but we would do it again. We didn't run fast enough. We didn't try hard enough. Maybe if we start further back, we can, and, and, the, and the situation, it wasn't that our bridge wasn't good because our bridge was fantastic, but our foundation was horrible. When Jesus is saying storms in life will come, when the unexpected happens, what you've built your life on will be the only thing left you will have to stand on. And isn't it true that when our lives are not built on the truth of who God is, the thing that often falls out are the things that we have built our lives on. So whether it's relationships and a relationship fails and the foundation of our life just crumbles because we realize then the foundation of our life is a relationship or a job or church, the, re the truth is, uh, what we build our lives on matters. So why not build our lives on the one thing that will never move, that will never lose its stability, man? Can we build our lives on Christ? And when the storms of life come, we have something that is immovable, unshakable. Man, when we know God in a way that is so profound, that is so personal, that is so relationally focused, when we understand that, that our life is not, uh, is not simply the, the, the reactions of the things that we do or, or, or our success or failure is based on what we succeed or fail on in, in the world's standards. But man, when we begin to know who God is, and then as we know who God is, we get to learn who we are because we are going to the source of who we are. Things come up and things happen. 
But as the storm of life passes, as all storms do, we'll realize, I'm still here. Because God's still here. And yeah, I may have shifted a little bit, but God is unshifting. And so no matter where you're at this morning, let me tell you this, no matter what you've built your life on, God is in the business of giving people new foundations every day. It's what we call in the church grace. And then verses 28 through 29, it says this, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. Jesus talks about a storm, he talks about being wise and foolish, and then he's done. He's finished speaking. His sermon is finished. It's concluded. He's getting up from whatever stone I assume he would be sitting on because I just can't, I can't imagine how much speaking had to be done at this time, but I'm assuming he probably got tired and my brain runs like a movie. Jesus was sitting on a rock. Jesus gets up from that rock, and then what does it say? It says, those that heard him were what? What's that word? It says they were amazed. Because that's what happens when we're in the presence of Jesus. We are amazed at who he is. They were amazed at his teaching because there was something about the way that he taught, the way that he spoke. It's almost as if these people, it's almost like this guy knows God. Now we understand, for those of us that are Christians and those of us who are followers of Christ, we understand and we know that Jesus was and is God, but all of these people had heard from their religious leaders for their entire lives. What they were hearing was repeated information from other religious teachers who were wiser and older than them. And so what they were doing is they were just regurgitating information. There was no conviction. There was no authority, just simply words. Uh, Let me ask you this. If you were going to change the battery in your car, who would you listen, whose advice would you listen to? One who maybe read about it or heard about it or one who actually did it? I'm going to speak for everybody that hopefully you would listen to the person who actually did it because they have some authority in the matter. They have experience in the matter. As Jesus has come from God to make a way back to God through his life, death, burial, and resurrection, as God to humanity, he speaks with authority that only God can have because he has come directly from God. And when it comes to life on the narrow road, there is no one who knows more about that than Jesus. So Jesus is done speaking. And the people are amazed. And we have spent 12 weeks in nothing but the words that Jesus spoke. And so can I ask you just one final question for this series, and that is this. What will you do? What are you going to do with all this? What are you going to do with all of it? Can I say what our tendency is going to be? Man, that was a really good series. When storms of life come, maybe I'll go back to a podcast or two. But man, that was a a really good series, and Monday comes and nothing's different. Are we amazed, or have we lost the ability to be amazed 
simply by being in the presence of Jesus. Because as we are in his presence, therefore we are changed and everything about us changes with that. And the difficulty of ending a series like this is I can't choose for you what you'll do. And Jesus gets done speaking, and I get done speaking, and the question we are always left with is what do we do with it? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. Jesus, for the words that you speak to us, the instruction that you give us, the path that you give us to live life on the narrow road. God, would you just once again forgive us for expecting narrow road results on the wide road? Would you forgive us for taking our eyes off the direction, God, that you have called us to. God, would you forgive us for those moments where we build the foundation, we build our lives on foundations that will wipe away with the slightest storm. But God, would you remind us once again this morning that you are the immovable foundation, you are the cornerstone that we can build our lives on. So God, for some of us, we need to revisit what we've built our life on. We're starting to feel uneasy where our feet are placed. And God, would you just begin to remind and reestablish the fact that you love us so much. But yet you will allow us to build our lives on shoddy foundation. But God, I'm so grateful for your grace that allows us the opportunity to have you reset it. So God, as we go from here, after 12 weeks, my prayer, God, is that we wouldn't be the same, is that we would be different, and that we would be your hands and feet in this world for this time for your fame. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray, amen. Amen.